everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director. The original podcast made by a creative director for those aspiring to be creative directors. For creative directors looking for a little creative director therapy. And everyone else, really, who just wants to be a little bit more creative and learn from some uh, creative uh, superstars out there. And and uh, speaking of creative superstars, uh, today's show definitely has a creative superstar. I'm talking about creative director Lee Brown from GSDNM in Austin, Texas, the best city in the world, uh, where I went to school at the University of Texas at Austin, and she went to school there too. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, but Lee was named to Adweek's Creative 100 which is, you know, a pretty big deal and has worked for a bunch of big brands like Avocados from Mexico, Hilton Hotels and Resorts. And she might be best known for helping to make the Popeye's chicken sandwich go viral. Remember that thing a few years ago? People fighting over the sandwiches and, um, you know, uh, comparing against Chick-fil-A and all that craziness. She was right at the center of that. She's also worked on a Super Bowl spot. She's won Ken Lyon awards and Clio's and all kinds of great stuff. So without further ado, let's get into it with Lee Brown. Hey Lee, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh thanks for joining the podcast. Absolutely. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, excellent. Uh you know, I was just on Facebook and I discovered that it's National Margarita Day. Thanks to Sammy Hagar. I don't know how Sammy Hagar got on my Facebook feed, but uh, he, <laughs> remi- he, he reminded me that it is uh, National Margarita Day. So I hope you've got a frosty beverage. I do. I do. I feel, I feel like I failed at a Texan, as a Texan because I'm, I'm not drinking a margarita. I'm We're drinking g- a martini. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll talk <laughs> about the, the whole Texas uh, connection because both of you and I are our Texans, but um, yes. let's have a quick little toast. I'm having a little a grapefruit margarita. Cheers. Cheers. Martini there. All right. Excellent. So yeah, so we're both uh, UT grads. I even I even yeah. took this uh, my little UT mug out in, in honor of that uh, connection. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I saw that too. That's it is such a small world. When did you when did you go there? When were you there? I was there from I think 2009 to 2011. Okay, okay, so Just fairly the, fairly recently, yeah. Yeah, in the I went there for grad school when I changed careers. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I I saw that. I I saw that story, and that's pretty cool. But you're living sort of. I want to I want to kind of trade. I want to take your work life. I mean, you're working at GSDNM. You're living in possibly what I think the the best city in the world. You're working on killer accounts. You're you know doing all kinds of stuff. I want to want to kind of trade places with you <laughs> for, for a day for a, for a, for a day. I can't leave California. My wife would be mad, but it would it would be fun to uh, to see what uh, what goes on there. I once applied a long time ago to GSDNM, and I remember I sent them this really goofy. At the time, I thought it was brilliant. I sent them this kind of like this igloo cooler, and it had like markings on it, like it had a like it had a live brain in it, and it was supposed to be like some kind of transplant. I don't know the, the whole story, but I sent it down there, and then like in a week later, I got a letter saying, "Yeah, no thanks." Oh so, man, 
I got I got the uh, the old heap ho. But yeah, so tell tell me a little bit about that um, circuitous route that you took uh, into advertising and and specifically landing at GSDNM. I mean, one of the best shops in the in the country. So tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so I've I've always been a writer. I've always loved writing, even when I was a little, like a little kid. You know, I'd like write my little stories and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I took a long path to get to advertising. I started out, um, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to work at newspapers. And so I went to undergrad for that. I did that for a few years, lived in these like small, like small towns. Actually, you'll know these cause you're in LA, right? So yep. I spent uh, a year in Victorville, Wow. a year in San Bernardino and a year in Redlands. Wow. Um, because when you work in newspapers, that's where you get your start. You don't start right. at the LA Times. Right. You start right. at like the little thing and work your way up. Um, and I'm I'm a city I'm a city girl. <laughs> like where are you Where are you from originally? Uh, from from Houston. Okay, from Houston. Okay, excellent. Yeah, and and so like I like to be you know kind of with a lot of stuff going on and uh, you know restaurants and all that kind of stuff. So like living in like the middle of the desert was like not really for me. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of got burnt out too. Like that's a hard business. Um, right. Like I learned a ton, like you get real scrappy, um, like deadlines. I was writing two stories a day. Like, wow. you know, you just kind of, you, you hustle a lot. Um, right. But I got burnt out. So I was like, okay, uh, let's try something new. So I transitioned into a marketing job, moved to San Francisco um, and did that for many years. Um, but you know, like the thing about working in house sometimes, especially if you're there for a while, you do the same thing like year after right. year. Like you're like, oh, this is the season for this. Then we do that, and um, I just got kind of bored a little bit. And so I thought, okay, well, what next? And by then, um, I kind of I'd found my way to Austin. Yes. Um, uh, kind of, my husband told his boss at the time that they got a job, that he got a job, and that I got a job in Austin. Yeah. And I told my boss that he got a job in Austin and that we could all work remote. Um, and both of our bosses let us wow. move and work remote. So we did the remote thing like, you know, like 12 years ago for a year. Wow. Um, you were ahead of you were ahead of your time. We, we were getting practice. It was yeah. very different then. It was very different then. Um, but yeah, so I ended up like I went back to UT for grad school. Um, thought advertising looked interesting. They had this creative program. You know, I was already in town here um, and started doing the creative program and just loved it. Um, wow. You know, it's it's a fun one, like hard at first uh, and you learn a lot, but I'm kind of always happiest when I'm climbing up the mountain a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so how was that experience? Because you already had been out in the workforce and, and had been, you know, weren't doing creative, but you were writing, right? So how was it coming back? And, you know, did you get sort of the side eye from from the students? Because they were younger, I would imagine, right? Totally. So what, was, what was that experience like? Oh, totally. Yeah, I was like, I think I was like 29 when I started. And, you know, like half the kids are grad students, but half of them are undergrads. The Texas creative is mixed like that, which is okay. pretty cool, actually. But yeah. it meant that, like, I was also in class with, like, 19-year-olds sometimes. Right. Um, um, which, honestly, like, I think that's good for us to kind of right. you know, be flexible like that. Uh, but yeah, I looked around and my partner, who's actually my partner to this day, um, was in that first class I had with me. And he really? was a little bit, yeah, and he was a little bit older too. And I'm like, oh, okay, like we were both kind of like the old, boring, married people. 
So we uh, quickly became friends. And that's your, and, that's sort of, I, re- I read about this. This is your alter ego. This is Jolene. Is that right? Did I yes, get that right? Yes. Yes. We're Tell named me about, after. I love it. <laughs> so my partner's name is John, J-O-N. I'm Lee. Lots of extra letters, L-E-I-G-H. Uh, but yeah, we realized one day, uh, one of our bosses, I think, pointed out that you could combine our names to form the greatest Dolly Parton song of all time. Of course. And so we were like, well, that's done. Like, and what a great name. And what a partner name. Yeah. What a cool name. Cause I never, I've never worked at an agency in the, that uses the partner system, right? The copywriter and the, and the art director. Uh, but what a cool thing to be right. To, you know, just to be a uh, kind of a, an entity, that's known as one name, right? Jolene. Yes. That's pretty cool. It's it's really fun. And honest and like totally like Dolly Parton is like such an icon. And I think she applies to advertising so much. She's like somehow like beloved in all these circles. She for is for just being like exactly who she is. Right. Um, which is such a rarity. Um, and I'm like, so like what would Dolly do is kind of a, your, a good mantra, mantra for life. A good mantra for life. And by the way, you have you have you heard the the slow the slow down version of Jolene? Like they took her original recording and slowed it down to like a Ooh. and it's so cool. It's so like it just takes on a different, a totally different vibe. You should check it out. Oh, I'm gonna be looking this up. I did like the little Nas X cover uh last yeah. year. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. So tell me a little bit about, you know, I I, I always start off the the podcast asking about sort of how you see the role of the creative director, but, um, you know, how, how you, you know, everybody has a diff- different definition, but since you guys work together, how does, how does that work? Or, or just kind of maybe start off with how you see the role of a creative director and tell me how he fits into the, to the mix. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I really kind of feel like the creative director is we're kind of this in-between position in a lot of ways. We're not the group creative director or the executive creative director. We're, not always doing, uh, we're not always doing the work, although we still get our hands real dirty a lot of the time. Um, but I feel like we're just here to make the work better. Like, how can we take something from a B to an A? How can we take it from an A to an A plus? Does that mean getting out of the way and letting people work? Does that mean guiding them and mentoring them? Does that mean pushing back, you know, on account or strategy and saying like, hey, this isn't clear, how can we do better? Or this deadline isn't enough time? Um, so really, I think we just try to fill in wherever we can and do everything we can just to like take the work up that extra step. Yeah. And so what, what typically is sort of the biggest challenge or where do you think you spend, you know, of those things that you described, you know, where are you spending most of your time? Yeah, I feel like, especially now, um, I feel like agencies all feel like they're, you know, understaffed and short on time. Um, like, and maybe that's just human nature to always think we don't have enough of whatever right. we, <laughs> whatever we want. Um, so I feel like we spend a lot of time um, just like figuring out what people need and like, how can we simplify the brief to make it easier for people? How can we, um, you know, just get in there and give feedback and get the work to a better place. Yeah. Um, but like I said, we, we do a lot of player coaching too. We jump in and concept brief still and um, yeah, still think that's a lot of fun. So how long, uh, how long uh, in your journey before you moved into the creative director role? 
Let's see. Um, so I started just as a regular copywriter. Um, I was hired by Luke Sullivan of Hey Whipple Squeeze This. Okay. Um, and he. Oh just, wow! He really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Him, telling, him telling me I didn't suck was kind of a career highlight early on. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, but he didn't believe in juniors, so he was kind of like everybody's doing the work, so you're just a copywriter. So I was a uh, copywriter and then a senior copywriter for probably six, five, six years before I became an ACD. And then I've been a CD since I think the end of 2018. Okay. So in doing my research, I, I saw that, um, that one of the sort of your first big break was, was writing a, a spot for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Which, right. so what, so just so that I can kind of imagine it in my mind, what level were you at then? think I was a senior. Okay. So tell, set the scene, tell us how, how that all went down. Cause it, it just based on what I, what I read, it, it seemed interesting, right? You guys were sort of, it's a whole agency sort of sh- shootout. Yeah. So, um, avocados from Mexico was getting ready to do their first Super Bowl commercial. It's kind of random to do a Super Bowl commercial for produce, but that's where we were. Um, so it was a pitch and then within the agency, it was such a big swing that they wanted to give everybody the chance to work on it. Um, and so my partner and I, you know, set aside our day jobs for a hot second and did a lot of uh, after work work um, concepting. We must have come up with a hundred ideas at least. And probably one of our last ones was an idea that, uh, so the brief was the best avocados come from Mexico. They have to be from Mexico. Where else would avocados come from? So one of our last ideas we had was, what if there was just like, there's a draft in football. What if there was a draft for all the plants and animals to get decided where they belonged and which country they should be part of? Um, And it started with like that kind of one sentence on a page. And uh, the uh, GCDs who were running it, they were like, okay, that's that's good. Um, And so that ended up being one of the five ideas the agency pitched. And so, so fun. you sold it, so you sold it to your, to your own internal folks, just with that premise of, of hey, what premise. if there was a draft? Wow. Yeah. Cause we, I mean, cause we, especially early on before we really knew what the heck we were doing, uh, we always tried to just, here's all these ideas, you know, here's a two sentence write up of each idea before we'd come in with scripts. Cause you can spend a lot of time scripting something. Right. And then the whole premise is like, oh no, I saw, you know. Geico did that five years ago, right? And you wasted all this time polishing right. it, right? And and I just rewatched it, and it was—I mean, it's brilliant. And uh, it's just—I'll—I'll I'll put a link in in it so that people can uh, in the post so people can watch it. But it, it really is brilliant. So how did it feel? This is something that I that I also ask a lot of. So you were—you know—you're you're you're a star. You guys sold that thing through. I imagine within the agency walls, you you're like, you know, rising star, how did it feel to go from sort of a star player to use the, continue the analogy of the NFL, right? To go from a star player to being a coach, which is sort of how you describe being a creative director. How was that switch? And, you know, did you find it difficult to sort of let go or, you know? Yeah, you have to like get your ego out of the way, you know, cause it's no longer about you. It's about your team and it's about what the, what people bring to the table and how you can bring the best out of them. 
Um, and that is hard to let go of, um, especially I think it's sometimes difficult when you're still playing sometimes when you're player right. coaching, you know, you really have to be able to step back and be like, my idea might not be the best idea. And I don't want my idea to be the best idea, honestly. Yeah. Like I want people smarter than me, you know, coming up and uh, being on my team. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and um, before we move on to some of these other topics, the other thing that you're well known for is the whole is helping Popeye, the Popeye sandwich sort of go viral, right? So yes. uh, I was just thinking about that. I hadn't thought about it in a minute. And I remember going through the drive through like several times and they were out. So what was that all about? How did that come up? Or what was what was your role in that? And uh, just yeah. tell us about that. Yeah, so we, GCNM had the Popeye's account for a really long time before I started working on it. Um, and when uh, we all kind of, there's a team of us that came up and we all started working on it at the same time and really tried to like modernize the brand. And a lot of that was on social. We really did a lot of social listening. We figured out who our audience was. Uh, we found that we are very popular among Black Twitter um, for those who might be listening and being like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, Black Twitter is kind of this way of describing this loose group of people um, on Twitter who are very prolific, very creative, um, kind of like anything you hear that is like internet speak is really probably or originated in Black Twitter. Hmm. Um, not everyone on Black Twitter is Black, but most of them. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, we had a lot of love for this brand. Um on Twitter and a little bit of like a little bit of tough love too. Sometimes like Popeye's was maybe like not super well known for like great service. There was a meme on the internet about um, the biscuits being so dry, they would choke you um, if you didn't have water. Yeah. And we just kind of like, we started embracing some of that because we knew like, we just wanted to be authentic to who we were. We wanted to like kind of collaborate with people and really, um, just tap into that, into that group and like be respectful, like be a brand that wasn't trying too hard. That wasn't like trying to co-op where we shouldn't be. Um, so we'd spent all this time, like kind of building our audience, really interacting with people. We'd seen kind of how we posted things and what really hit. And we also were tasked with launching this chicken sandwich. Um, and it had launched like couple weeks earlier we weren't um so the so real quick so the the, the launch was it you were you were just doing the ongoing work the ongoing work wasn't as a setup for the launch you it was no it was just okay. it was just our ongoing like trying to build the brand on social yeah. and then at the same time they were they had started launching the chicken sandwich in test markets and we were getting a lot of like just great great feedback on twitter like people were just like loving the sandwich. They were saying it was better than Chick-fil-A. You know, people were really into it. Um, and so we, the whole campaign, we had this whole campaign planned for Believe the Hype. We had a, we had TV spots that had real, real people and UGC from Twitter and all this stuff. Um, that stuff never aired because a couple weeks, like a week after the national launch, Chick-fil-A, they must have just gotten kind of insecure. Yeah. Because they tweeted out like bun plus pickles plus chicken equals like love for the original. Um, and we had a an amazing social media team at GSCNM. Um, and we all worked really closely. In fact, we had we had a text chain that we all 
anytime we saw something in the news, saw anything out there, we text each other and say like, hey, did you see this? Let's throw something together really fast. So uh, we called that code orange. We had that and then we had a WhatsApp chat text chain with our clients. And one of our social media strategists texted and was like, oh my God, have y'all seen this? And we were like, this is amazing. So we all started throwing in, you know, ideas for what we could tweet back at them. You know, um, I was actually at an edit. So we had like another, uh, a more junior writer was throwing yeah. in stuff to me. I'm typing it back. Uh, the social strategist is coming up with lines. We all kind of got like our top three lines. Um, we sent them to the client on WhatsApp. Like 15 minutes later, they're like, oh, I think we should do this one, uh, which is kind of the, the now famous, we just retweeted Chick-fil-A with the y'all good. Yeah, because um, it was it's, yeah. it was like to use the vernacular was sort of thirsty, right? It was like, what were what were they trying yeah. to it was like sort of like desperate yeah. or pathetic or weird. <laughs> yeah, like we just like and Popeyes was always a brand that like we were never gonna be like straight up mean to people. Right. But, like we might like throw like just a little bit of shade at somebody or like we tell it like it is, but we were never gonna be like, we're not Wendy's. Right. You know, we're not going to like roast anybody. So like we tweeted that and the Internet just lost their minds. Like people, I think it was probably one of the first times that Popeyes had like, I don't think it was. It was the first time that Popeyes had ever gone after another brand. And I think we did it in such a like a charming Louisiana Southern way right. that people like they filled in the blanks. They said all of the things that we couldn't say. Right. We weren't going to say mean things about Chick-fil-A. We weren't going to talk about like, you know, their, you know, history on gay rights. Right. We weren't going to talk right. about like anything, but like the audience did. Right. They did. Um, they did it for you. Yeah. They did it for us. There were so many memes, so many things. And literally there was some speculation that we had faked it. But literally, I was in a meeting like four days later on a Sunday, like, hey, guys, we think we might be selling out of all the 10 week supply of chicken sandwiches already. Um, should we we had to decide whether or not we were going to like let that happen? Were we going right. to ration them out over the next month? What were we going right. to do while they uh, upped their chicken sandwich supply? Now, and this is getting way into the weeds, but. Are you saying that the agency had a had potentially a say in that on how they would deal with the how, the sandwiches? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, they were they were like really solid partners. So we, you know, what's the best advertising way? Like, what keeps sustaining the hype, but you know, doesn't lose it? And I, obviously, they had to make that decision business wise. Um, but yeah, then we had to very quickly come up with a plan for we didn't need to run that TV anymore. We didn't need to run any of the social we were planning to run or like just we had to change it all um, and come yeah. up with some really fast, fast stuff to say, you know, guys, you you ate us out of house and home and now we're now we're out. Right. And that kind of leads me to my next question here, which is, you know, in some ways that was kind of a maybe maybe sort of a precursor to what's happened in the last couple of years. Right. Having to make that really quick pivot and that transition to sort of capitalizing um, on, on the moment. Right. And, and things, uh, you know, clients wanting things faster, cheaper, you know, more, you know, buzzy and viral and all that. Is that 
you know, are you seeing that as the the continuing trend? Is that I mean, are we ever going to get back to a place where you had more time to do things? Is I guess what I'm asking. Oh, not certain things. I mean, you just can't. Like, um, you know, I've had people suggest things sometimes for like, you know, some things are always going to be a little bit longer of a time frame. You know, you have to go film a TV spot. You're not going to like do that in two hours. Right. Um, but it's just our culture now. Like we've had uh, people suggest like, oh, we could use this meme in a television spot. And it's like, well, by the time we get it on TV, that meme is dead. Right. No one's thinking about that. If we don't do that this week or this afternoon, um, it's over. Yeah. And and the world just moves fast. Um, so, um, you know, in a lot of ways, we're probably not that far from being able to shoot stuff, right? I mean, I, I feel like um, during the during the pandemic, you know, companies were able to use uh, to use old footage or shoot stuff on iPhone or do all graphics or whatever it is. And then I don't know if you've seen this, um, this platform that Ryan Reynolds is doing where it's supposed to be. And I don't, I still don't, haven't really found out what it is, but it seems like they're trying to speed things up even further and automate things. And so we're probably not that, you know, far from that. So is, is you think that's the future? I mean, what, what are your thoughts there? Um, I think I, I have mixed thoughts. I definitely think, you know, every time Ryan Reynolds says, we made this commercial in a week or three days or whatever it is, I'm like, yes, but you're a celebrity. So like, right. Like there, there are some like smooth things for him. Right. Um, on one hand, it's like really exciting. And I think you have to be able to move quickly in this industry and the world is just moving more quickly. Um, at the same time, I think Sometimes you've got to take your time to like get an idea to like a really good point and craft something beautifully. And so I think there's always going to be a mix of that. There's going to be the things that are like quick and dirty and you can even make that stuff really beautiful. Um, and there's going to be the stuff that needs a little more execution, a little more craft to it and a little more time. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just knowing when to, what jobs are which, you know, which right. projects are which thing and like having that wisdom to know when do I do something fast because I'm catching onto something on the internet or I'm uh, moving fast because the job doesn't require any, like, because the job is better if it's faster. And right. when do we need to take some time and really craft something? Yeah. And you need to have a, uh, you need to have a client partner that, that really trusts you, right. And is able to move that fast. And, and, and the story that you told about the Popeyes is fascinating that you guys have a, you know, a WhatsApp, uh, you know, chain going where you guys are getting instant feedback. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, at some point during a production, I had looked over and noticed um, one of the clients had like 3,000 something unread emails. And I was like, well, that's clearly not the best form of communication. Right. So um, we were so thankful to have that WhatsApp because you really could, like you knew if something was there, it was important. That was not where right. we sent something uh, minor or like, look at this when you have a chance. It was like, we need this, this minute. That's, that's great. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out a way to steal that. That's really <laughs> great. So, uh, and I know I'm jumping all over the place here, but this is a, a great conversation. How would you describe your particular creative process? Are there certain things that you do all the time or are there, you know, is it completely different every time or, or just kind of give us a, a sneak peek at how you do things? Yeah. Um, I am a firm believer in starting with paper um, yeah. and not jumping into the computer too quickly. 
Um, I think it just like turns on a different part of my brain, honestly, that keeps me from like self editing too much at first. Um, and so, you know, my partner and I um, will get on the phone. We never do video chats when we're concepting. I think it makes us too self-conscious. We just like, we're either in person and, you know, or we're on the phone. And so we'll just start scribbling down all our dumb ideas. Sometimes we work separately and then we each have, you know, stuff to talk about in the middle. But a lot of times we'll just, you know, bounce stuff off and like, you know, say things like, you know, this is probably a dumb idea, but, right. and, you know, we just write it all down. Like we write everything down, even the really stupid stuff. Um, and then we kind of go back, like we try to give it like a little bit of a rest if we can, and then go back and really start going, okay, did we actually like that? Was that actually any good? And then we start kind of polishing stuff. And then once we're like ready to like go in and work in like Google Docs or slides, that's when you can really start like polishing and like simplifying and getting to like really good stuff. But I find that if I start at a computer, I'm just uh, not as fruitful. Yeah, because it's easy to catch something and then you know go back and erase it or correct it totally or, you know and you can't just yeah it I feels more it's... real when you're typing somehow than just like right scribbling. now how about when you how often are you kind of doing that same thing but with a bigger group um you know very rarely i feel like um once in a blue moon we have one of those like big brainstorming sessions um, and sometimes those are really useful, like when we get together with like people with different, um, like different disciplines, like, okay, we're here with the social strategy team who very quickly we can be like, hey, like, does Twitter have a thing that could do this or does Snapchat do this or, right. you know, does anybody know if an MF NFT can work this way? Um, right. And sometimes that's cool to have like all those disciplines together in a room. Um, but I often find that the bigger the group, the less people yep. say interesting things. And it just ends up being like, okay, well, we did that for an hour. What next? Yeah. I just did a little to to some internal folks, a, an account team where they wanted some help on how to generate, you know, better ideas. And that was one of the things that I, that I said. It's like, you know, it, it the way that people have done brainstorming for years doesn't work because what happens is, there's people that like to talk and they they talk most of the time and then they'll, you know, somebody will latch on to their idea and it's the anchor effect, right? And they'll go down that path. Meanwhile, somebody sitting in the corner who's shy but has a great idea, doesn't like the sound of their own voice, doesn't say it, and then you never hear that idea, right? So, 100%. Um, yeah, but I, I like what you were saying about kind of looking at it and bringing in different experts to ask specific um, questions. Now, typically, are you getting, are you, are you guys getting the brief and then briefing teams underneath you? Or how does that work? Yeah, ideally, we get the brief a little bit ahead of time. So we can look at it and say like, okay, is this brief? Is this a good brief? Like, is does this get our wheels going? Will this get the team's wheels going? Is there anything confusing about it? Is there anything that we have questions about? so that we can like really kind of craft that together with our strategy partners and get it to a place that we all, you know, fundamentally are aligned with. Um, we try to really like be close partners with our, like with strategy and account. And I feel like when we were, when I was like much earlier in my career, it was always like, 
creatives against strategy or creatives against account and like, oh, like, yeah, if those people could only do a better job. And I feel like that has like fundamentally changed um, in the last few years. Um, We're like, I I think we really all like work as a team really well. Um, And I hope the whole industry is changing in that way um, that we're just becoming better, better partners with each other. Yeah. And I think it's about, you know, um, sort of just having empathy, right. And understanding that they on the other side, right. Have, um, different challenges that are just as hard if, if not in some ways harder, right. That, than we do. And, uh, you know, I have this whole thing that I do called, um, creatives are lazy and account people don't do anything all day. And, and other and other misconceptions, right? And it's like, hey, listen, you know, it works both ways, right? It's like, hey, listen, creative person, it's easy to, you know, kind of kick up your your feet on the desk and say, oh, well, you didn't you didn't present the idea right, right? That's why the client didn't get it. It's like, okay, well, why don't you get on the phone and present it, and yeah. so that you can hear what the client says, right? And then on the flip side, you know, it 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 sometimes does take, um you know, some fooling around and being lazy and letting your mind sort of wander to get to some ideas. Right. So it's kind of like everybody's got different things that they, that they deal with and different sort of problems. I don't even know if problems is the right word, but you know, that you just have to kind of understand both sides because they're both hard. Right. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta call, you know, the client and tell them that something's not going to be ready. And and you're the person that they, you know, on the account side, you're the person that they're going to yell at. You know, your oh, yeah. creative director is going to be back in the, you know, having a coffee or something while that other person's getting yelled at. Yeah, I don't want that job. Like, right. I, I love that I have smart people that do that for me. Right. So, yeah, that that is tricky, and I and I hope that is true. Uh, that 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 sort sort of relationship is getting um, getting better over time. Um, all right. Well, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back uh, with more with Lee Brown. All right, we're back with Lee Brown, who's drinking her. Uh, what? What do you have? A, do you have a name for your your martini? Tell yeah. us about it. No, I mean it's just a gin martini with a twist. Um, so it's like as old school as you can possibly get. It's very, very, uh, very madman. Yeah, it's very Roger Sterling. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Very, very Roger Sterling. Do you? I, I have a little. Uh, when I was in the office, I have a little bar cart. In uh, in my office that I walk around on Fridays and make drinks for people. Oh, do you I guys love that. Do, do you guys do uh, fun? I'm sure you do. Yeah, it's been a. I mean, it's been a minute, uh, but yeah, we do. Um, and especially now, um, the um, the CEO of our agency, Jeff Stewart, actually. Uh, um, I don't know. He's. I don't know if he's the full owner or just a co-owner, but he's got a, a mezcal company. So, really? So we there's occasionally mezcal floating around. I love it. And I remember back in the day, um, if I remember correctly, I never went into the offices, but there was sort of, I remember people talking like there was these little kind of like little vignettes. Like it was a, I think at the time GSDNM was working with Fridays or something, the the restaurant and uh-huh. there was like a booth. There was like a restaurant booth in there. There were like all these little like nooks that you could yeah. sort of work in that were, that were kind of uh, themed. Yeah, we do have, um, 
We do have some Southwest Airline uh, plane seats uh, around a that's table. Cool. That's cool. And um, yeah, it's funny. We we remodeled our office right before the pandemic hit. Wow. <laughs> so um, I think it still needs, um, you know, we'd all kind of packed our stuff away so they could put in new flooring and things like that. Yeah. And now we're all just home. Uh, yeah. So hopefully there'll be some some more stuff like that that sort of, I feel like ad agencies accumulate things yeah. over time. Um, so I'm hoping we accumulate some more stuff like that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so if you weren't, you know, a creative director, what do you think that you would be doing? Um, it's funny. I always say like, if I weren't a writer, I'd be like a therapist. I think, um, I'm like fascinated by how people's brains work and like what makes us do all the things we do and like, uh, just how humans behave. Um, it would either be that, or I would really like dream job would just be taking over, uh, Shankar Vedantham's job on the hidden brain and like just getting to interview interesting social science, social scientists, yeah. uh, yeah. all the time. Tell, tell me about that. Is that your, is that your favorite podcast? Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite podcasts. Cause it's just like this random information about how human beings are all the time. Like how we even think about what other people think about. And when we, at what age we realize that, uh, other people have different thoughts and wishes than we do. And, um, that that happens when you're like three years old and it's all this kind of stuff is fascinating to me. Um, I love that kind of research into like, um, yeah, why we behave, how we behave and how we can adjust, adapt that. And so do you find yourself kind of consciously or subconsciously tapping into that, whether, you know, you're, you're using it to come up with an idea or even like in how you manage your team or does that factor in? I imagine somehow it does. I, I mean, it must, I think a lot of it's subconscious. Um, but it definitely, I think factors into just, um, like a sense of empathy for other people. And like, um, I think there's a lot of things that we all do subconsciously that we don't even realize we're doing. Um, so I think, yeah, I think, um, I'm always trying to figure, give people the benefit of the doubt. And like, you know, I think sometimes we think, oh, that person didn't look at our idea because they don't like us. Or that person was like really harsh in a meeting because they hate all our work. Um, and right. really like, sometimes your clients are grumpy because it's Monday morning or they right. just came out of a bad meeting with their boss or something's going right. on it. You know, your boss is, you know, having a rough time at home or they're, they're caring for a parent or like all these right. things. And I think, um, in some ways, I think the pandemic has just made us like a much more empathetic industry. Cause we all got peeks into people's houses and we saw, you know, we heard when their dog started barking or we, you know, if they, their kid crawled into their lap or was in the background or needed something. Um, and so I like, I like that the agent, I like that the industry is headed that way. Um, because I just think it makes us like more human and that's who we're talking to is other humans. So the more we kind of tap into that for ourselves, I think the better off we all right. are. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you're right. You sort of got a sneak peek into everybody's, um, you know, sort of chaos. And then the other thing that's interesting too, is when you, you know, specifically creative people, right? We're, we, we can be sensitive 
we can be a little insecure about what oh. we're doing. And, and it's, I mean, it's understandable, right? And this is something kind of getting back to what we were talking about earlier about accounts versus creative is something that I think um, the, the account side sometimes doesn't get is that it takes a toll, a mental toll on you when you're coming up with these ideas and, you know, and they get shot down or, you know, they never happen, you lose the pitch or whatever. And it takes a, a toll. And I think that sometimes people don't understand that. It's like, you, it's like you're, you know, it's like your baby, right? Yeah. And I think it's different than doing some other things and uh, that are more sort of, um, you know, left brain focus, I guess you'd say. I mean, if somebody says, well, I didn't like your budget. It's not like yeah. you, you know what I mean? It's like, well, it's the budget. I can't do anything about that. But it was like, well, they didn't like my idea. That's hard. Yeah. I, somebody early in my career told me uh, advertising is where really smart people go to feel bad about themselves. <laughs> that's, going, that's going in the book. That's going in the book. By the way, I'm writing a book based on all these podcasts. So oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's that's pretty hilarious. Uh, I was just re-listening. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I wish that wasn't true, but it seems like it kind of is. The other funny thing that I was just revisiting because I'm list starting to listen to all the episodes to start writing things down is one of the early uh, podcasts that I did. One of my guests said that he, I said, "Well, how do you define the you know creative director?" And he quoted this funny book, which I ordered. It should be here any day now about funny, funny stuff about agency life. And it was like the creative director is the person that manages the people that most need to be managed, but least want to be managed or something oh, like that. So right. True. And it was like, Oh my God, that is, that is hilarious. And I think, I mean, maybe, you know, since you've sort of, you know, made a switch from being a writer to a creative, maybe you find your niche in therapy and be a, I often say that this show is kind of like creative director therapy. Maybe <laughs> there's sort of an, an, a niche audience for that. You know, you focus only on creatives and yeah. do therapy for that. Oh, I'm sure it would be. I'm sure there is a need for that for sure. Absolutely. It, it, yeah. It is funny though. Cause I do feel like at a certain point and like when I was a journalist, we got, you know, harsh feedback all the time like that. And um, you almost hit a point as a creative, we, we joke, we're like, we don't have any feelings anymore. Like you can't hurt our feelings. Like just tell us what you want, you know, tell us what you don't like. It's okay. Um, cause I'd almost rather have someone yeah. be like overly direct than like beat around the bush with their feedback. Um, yeah. And try not to hurt my feelings. Yeah. I've definitely gotten, definitely have sort of gotten a, a thicker skin over the years. And now I just try like on a, on a call or whatever. I just try not to show if, you know, they're giving us some, some negative feedback. I just kind of take it all in. Don't try not to show any sort of emotion. Totally. Uh, um, uh, that's, that's pretty funny. Um, in terms of, you know, who have been your mentors, um, you know, and, and what sort of words of wisdom have they imparted, uh, on you over the years? Yeah. I mean, my biggest mentor here at GSNM has been Tom Hamling, who we worked with on avocados from Mexico. We worked on Popeye's together, like, and we're just like, he's a good friend too. Um, and it's going to sound super duper cheesy, but I'm going to say it anyway. His motto has always been like one team, one dream, which it just means, you know, like your strategy people are pulling in the same direction as you are. Your account people are the junior teams are pulling in the same direction. We're pulling in the same direction. Like we're all it's all in service of the ideas. Um, 
and we can argue with each other about like what way the ideas should go and like what's the smartest, what's the best solution. Uh, but at the end of the day, like it's not because anybody's like bad people or not as smart as we are. We just like we all want the best for the idea. Um, and I think when everybody's kind of in that mindset of like we're all in this together and we pick up slack for each other and we have each other's back, the work just gets so much better because um, you can be smarter about it. You don't have to be as sensitive about it. Um, and there's like less ego involved and less credit taking. And um, it just it makes work a lot more pleasant, too. Right. Which I think can be tough, probably, you know, like we were talking about earlier, right? When you're the, when you're the star player, you're wanting to be the star player. I can imagine how somebody that's starting out, they're really trying to get that, you know, that attention, right? They're trying to stand out from the crowd. So I imagine that it's hard when you're a little bit younger to jump on that, on that sort of team train. But yeah, it is, it's interesting because I I do think that that probably does produce the, the best results is once everybody gets on board. Now, how do you avoid, um, how do you avoid, you know, creative by committee though, when you, when you are, when it is everybody like that, you know, how, how do you manage that? Oh yeah. I mean, I think there still has to be a, ultimately the creatives decide what the creative is, you know, like, um, I think ultimately that's part of like that trust and respect that, you know, ultimately strategists decide what the strategy is ultimately account people like decide how to like nurture that relationship with the client, but we're all kind of part of it. Um, I, I definitely, I agree. Like creative doesn't always get better because 150 people have weighed in. Um, right. You have to, I think somebody has to be guiding the ship and listen. Um, I had a, a, one of my teachers at UT, uh, she used to say, you know, you kind of had to listen to feedback and say like, not all of it's going to get, not all of the feedback you get is going to be right. But if three people tell you you're drunk, you might want to sit down. <laughs> and like, yeah. Um, and I fully, I fully agree with that. Like you kind of like look for trends and listen to um, kind of what the overarching thing is. Um, but I do and, think, and Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, but I, I do think like people sometimes catch things that you wouldn't catch. I think like that's part of why like, diversity in advertising is so important that we don't all just like have the same backgrounds and the same thoughts and the same um, worldviews um, so that you do kind of catch those blind spots and just make things smarter that that way. Yeah, you're right. And that's, you know, that's definitely something that we we try to pay attention to as well and trying to figure out, make sure that, you know, that it, at the very least, you're not doing something that's inappropriate, right? Yeah. But at at, at the best, that feels very inclusive and, and diverse and, you know, uh, brings everybody sort of to the table. So it sounds like, you, you know, um, it, it sounds like you, the creative it, folks, are very empowered to sort of make those final decisions, right? And, and kind of take in all the feedback, take in all, you know, like, like lawyers say, right? I'll take that under advisement, but you're making the final... <laughs> Decision. For sure. That, yeah. For sure. And I think a lot of that, like I said, is part of the trust built up. Like, you know, our account team trusts that we're not trying to make creative for creative sake. Like we're trying to solve actual problems. We're trying to communicate and not just like, oh, we just want to do something cool that wins an award for our own benefit. Like we're we're all kind of in it together. Um right. and in it for the right reasons. Yeah. 
All right. And so what, what else, um, what else do you like to do for fun? What do you, you know, you're in, like I said, the, probably the greatest city <laughs> in the world. What else do you like to do? Uh, yeah. Austin? I mean, I, I, Austin is so crazy cause it's changed so much. Like when I moved yeah. here 12 years ago, it was kind of like, it was a cool town, but it was like very chill, very different. And like, you know, there's like Tex-Mex and barbecue. And that was like, there was like one good sushi place. And yeah. now it's like, you can't keep up. So um, right. I love like restaurants and you know food and drinks. And I love to travel. I love just kind of getting out. So the pandemic was really hard for the first year and a half. I finally like started right. traveling again um, and love that. Um, I've been teaching myself Italian during the pandemic because why not? Yeah. Um, and I just wanted some like different part of my brain to start working since I wasn't like for a while, you know, we weren't getting out and seeing stuff and just like having that new stimulus um, yeah. in your brain. So I was like, okay, I need, I like, I like learning new things. So that's been my, that's cool. That's been my project the last year or so. And how's it going? Um, it's pretty, it's all right. Um, I will say like we went to, we actually did our first international post COVID or not really post COVID in the thick of COVID uh, international trip in November. And, um, I knew just enough to like kind of follow a few things, but like totally blank as soon as someone asked me a question. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably a metaphor for something. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk, you'll, you can talk about it in the creative director therapy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, all right. So we've come to that moment in the show where, where we have to pay off the, uh, the title of the show, Confessions of a Creative Director. So Lee Brown, what is, what, what is it that you want to confess to um that like all the awards and the accolades and all that good stuff is like really fun for like 24 hours and makes you feel really good but it doesn't last and then the next day you're just like back at work and like having to go back to the grind and like are you as good as your next idea um and so like that's funny that's funny to hear that you uh that um that it doesn't last that long. I would think, I mean, winning a, you know, a can lion or, you know, a clear or whatever that, that would sort of, you'd maybe walk around with the, with the statuette for a couple of days. It, it fades that quickly. It fades so quickly. It's funny. They were talking, I think ad week or ad age, one of them did a thing a couple of years ago where they interviewed people like, so what was the Monday after the Super Bowl like for like creatives who'd been in the, you know, who'd had spots in the game and they're like, yeah. So I had like four meetings and we just like, did our thing and like, you know, went about our days. Um, and so I don't know, I just feel like it's really important to figure out like what part of the grind do you love and like what, how can you enjoy kind of the day-to-day -day process? Cause like right. all the external stuff, like it's good. And do you think that, but it was, is it that, um, is it that, uh, like you, like you, you on a personal level were like, okay, I'm, you know, that was cool, but next or. I think it's, a, yes, it's, yeah. I think it's a little bit of that, but I think it's just a little bit of like, I don't know, like, um, kind of that, just that outside stuff. Like it makes you happy for a little bit, but it's like, do I like what I'm doing? You know? And that's right. kind of, um, I think the more yeah, important okay. thing, like, like we all have to, do we like what we do? Do we like what we do every day? And, um, and the, all the like triumphy kinds of things in our business is like so short lived. It's like, you know, that's like 10% of the, your, 
time, if you're lucky, is spent right. like really, um, you know, feeling like you're at the top of the world. So it's important yeah. to enjoy that part, but like yeah. figure out like what about the process is good too. Yeah, that's interesting. I've I've never won, you know, I've never done a Super Bowl spot or or won anything super major. So that's interesting to know. I don't know if I I don't know if I'm disappointed by that answer. Or <laughs> I, yeah. But um, but that's good. I mean, I think that shows that you're kind of like, you know, it's like okay, what's next? And what's you know what 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 do we have to do next? Which ultimately is that's the job, right? It's yeah. Like you're solving problems, and not all your solutions are going to get awards, but they're going to do, you know, you're going to do a good job for your client. Yeah. You're going to sell product or you're going to, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And some of your favorite so. ideas are going to die along the way. And you're always going to be the person who's like, Oh, I remember when we almost did this thing. Yeah. Do you keep, uh, I'm just curious. Do you keep like a file of like, of ideas that are like, we should have done this. Um, it's funny. We, I mean, we definitely, there's always ideas that I'm like, okay, when are we going to sell that one? Like, how can we repackage that? And like one day it'll be the right thing, um, which is interesting. Yeah. There's, there's another podcast I listened to um, called uh, Happier in Hollywood. And okay. it's like these two um, showrunner writer partners. And there's like a lot of parallels between that and advertising. So it's always kind of interesting to me. Um, to listen to, but one of the things that they said once was that, um, like, sometimes the idea is bad until it's good, you know, and it's like not the right. right, it's not the right time, it's not the right time, it's not the right time, and like the same exact idea at a different time, at a different moment is suddenly like, oh, right. that's perfect, that's exactly what we need. Right, right, that's interesting, yeah, timing, timing is, I guess timing is everything. Yeah. That's cool. Well, thanks again for joining the podcast. This was an awesome uh, conversation. Um, love just kind of hearing all your perspective, and uh, you've, you're you're certainly on a, a trajectory for much bigger things, I'm sure. So we'll have to keep in touch <laughs> and want to see what's going on. And if I, I'm down there, maybe we can. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll come down for South by. So maybe we can. Yeah, we're we're know. we're finally after a two year hiatus having our party again this year. So are you? Okay. Yeah. Maybe I can finally get into GSDNM. <laughs> you can sneak me in the, the back gate or something. But, 100%. Um, awesome. Well, thanks for joining. And uh, yeah, uh, keep up the great work and let's keep in touch and uh, enjoy the rest of National Margarita Day. You too. With your, with your, with your gin martini. <laughs> okay, we'll talk to you soon, Lee. Right, thanks again. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye. And there you have it, folks, another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director in the books. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lee Brown, Creative Director at GSDNM in Austin, Texas. Man, I'm supposed to go down for South by Southwest, uh, so maybe I, I can finally sneak into GSDNM and see what's going on there. But wasn't she awesome? I love her. She was great. So humble, uh, has done such amazing things and just sort of is, is just humble and wants to keep doing great work. Um, and that is really what it's all about, right? We often think that it's uh, about chasing uh, chasing the metal, as they say, uh, the hardware. But she's like, okay, been there, done that. Now what's next? What's the next uh, challenge that we need to solve for our clients? So 
I love that. And it gives me some uh, perspective. Maybe I don't need to worry about that stuff so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Uh, If you would, do me a big favor and subscribe to the podcast. Tell all your friends about it. Um, Rate us. Give us a review. Anything you can do to sort of spread the word about the podcast. I'm getting lots of great um, messages on LinkedIn of people really enjoying the show. And it certainly helps me, uh, keeps me encouraged to hear from people and and to see that it's getting uh, good reviews and people are subscribing. So keep it up so we can keep doing more of these. Well, that's it for now. So until next time, I'm Jaime Cabrera wishing you peace and creativity. See ya. Yeah.